The financial markets, the banking markets are fine. When your financial markets are okay, that's a safety net. I mean, that, that just tells you that it's good, you're going to have a, quote, normal recession. You think about the Great Depression. You think about 2008. There was a fundamental threat to the resiliency of financial markets. We don't have that right now. This is just about supply and demand for traditional goods and services. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I want to stop for a moment and just welcome you into the Kelly family. And I just want to let you know that this show exists specifically for you. So if you are a brand new manager, brand new leader, maybe you're looking to step into more leadership role and you just have some questions, you're, you're starting to see some of the difficulties when, when it comes to leading people. Maybe um, you are just trying to figure out, hey, what's happening in the markets? What's happening in different trends within business? Or you just know a mentor, you know an individual, you've heard a conversation or a talk from someone that you think others need to hear and would love to recommend them as a guest for our show. If any of those apply to you, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Again, R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Well, no matter what station you tune on in the news, you grab newspapers, magazines, reading blogs, there's no question there's a lot happening in the economy. You know, a consumer inflation rate just came out, 8.5%, a 40-year high. We've heard of supply chain issues. I mean, there's a war in Ukraine. Gas prices are high. It just almost feels like there's a perfect storm of sorts when it comes to the markets. What's going to happen? We wake up and we're not sure, you know, is, is the cost of things going to skyrocket tomorrow or is things going to balance out and level out? Well, we want to address a lot of these questions. We want to dig into what's happening and ultimately at the end, how organizational leaders and business leaders should act going forward as we enter the rest of this year. So I am joined, you love them, you know them, joined by some awesome guests, economist Phil Powell and Kyle Anderson, both Kelly School of Business economists. Gentlemen, welcome back to the ROI podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. So let's let's talk about this. You know, we... we had an, um, an awesome, you know, uh, economic forecast that we did earlier in the year, kind of leading into 2022. You know, it's something that I think a lot of our listeners really value and appreciate because they get a lot of insight. Hey, what's what's coming in the future? So want to take a minute just to maybe, you know, reference back or see kind of what's happened between um, the economic forecast and, and where we are today. Kyle, would love, love to kick it off with you. Just kind of, I mean, obviously we there's a lot happening in the news. You know what's happening um, that that's really taking a strain on a lot of a, a lot of our markets. Yeah, it's really a mixed bag right now. So, on the one hand, we're seeing some some positive signs in the economy, but the inflation and the the prices that are going on and the the reaction to that that we're inevitably going to have in terms of the Federal Reserve and raising interest rates is definitely putting a, a damper on our outlook. So inflation, as you mentioned, is, is extremely high. We're, we're getting to a situation where it's putting a serious strain on households and consumers, and yet we're seeing good job creation. We're seeing strong GDP growth. We're seeing other signs that the economy is doing pretty well. Matt, you know, the inflation is the big elephant in the room. 
inflation sort of drains the soul of an economy. It's not only because prices are going up, but when prices can't be predicted, you don't know how to plan, risk goes up, it makes businesses and even consumers reluctant to spend money. And so you've got this double whammy effect of inflation that will will subside at some point, but it's going to subside, as Kyle mentioned, as the Federal Reserve raises interest rates. The faster interest rates go up, the faster inflation will come down. What happens when you raise interest rates? It slows down economic activity, and the economy pulls back. And what was, what was an environment of job growth becomes a, an environment of job retrenchment. So we've got a tough journey ahead of us in that we're going to have a period of high prices followed by an economic decl- uh, a decline in output before the economy gets back to something more normal like we've been used to pre-COVID. I'm glad you brought up the COVID case because that's one thing, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. You know, there's a lot of people that are getting back out. They're going out to see movies again. They're going out to the restaurants again. I mean, you know, even from saving up potentially because a lot of places just weren't open. So maybe consumers just had a lot of money stacked away, you know, so talk about the impact that's having. I mean, it's almost, we're coming out of COVID, you know, we have a war that begins, which puts another, you know, hindrance on the supply chain. We have, um, you know, just everything's kind of just almost, it feels almost like chaotic and out of control, but you know, what, how have, uh, has COVID, you know, did that play a huge part into this giant ramp up in demand? And is that, you know, a cause of what we're seeing or is there something else? So let's start with that, Matt. You're spot on. During the second quarter of 2020, the savings rate jumped from like 6% to 33%. I mean, households were stashing away cash, right? So coming into the recovery, coming into the the public health recovery, sort of opening up, people can start to spend that money. The stock market's been good. So that means that wealth has gone up. Also, um, it's uh, credit's been cheap. So there's all, and plus there's just that psychological desire to maybe spend, you know, have a party. Let's, you know, celebrate life. So demand, when, when consumers want to spend more money, that in of itself raises demand and raises price, which can be a source of inflation. What's really hurting us is not only do we have demand going up because people want to spend more money, but the cost of delivering those goods and services have gone up because of the supply chain issues. Just as we, just as supply chains were starting to settle out, then we had the war in Ukraine, which adds more uncertainty. And then, of course, uh, the labor shortage. Uh, compared to 2018, at least in the state of Indiana, there's 3% less of the population that's in the labor force. So uh, those are two factors driving up cost before you even mention spending more money through more demand to drive up price. Yeah, and I would add to that. So we feel like we may be in a, uh, it may feel like a post-COVID United States that we're living in. But a lot of our trading partners are still reacting very differently. And especially China is having much more lockdown still. And so it is really hurting production. And that is directly attributable to COVID that's still going on there and, and having a significant impact on people's lives and on the economy. One thing I would add that Phil talked about was this unprecedented demand. We also had a lot of fiscal stimulus in 2021. And so that added cash into people's pockets. 
that money's being spent, unfortunately, there's nowhere to spend it. There, there aren't the goods and services to spend it on without driving up prices. You know, one thing you, you mentioned um, earlier was before we started recording jobs, you know, we're seeing that um, though the inflation is rising, you also were saying that, you know, job rates and, and, and payments were being um, raised. So talk about, you know, is, is the inflation being met with, um, you know, those pay increases or is this something where it's kind of the, the dog chasing its tail where, you know, th- things are rising, wages are rising, and then we're just kind of almost in this, the, the spiral that's causing, you know, inflation to kind of take off? Yeah, o- overall, wages are not quite keeping up with inflation, so, so people are, are actually being hurt by that. And, and it's not surprising. Wages tend to lag. So it takes a little while for employers to just jump in and say, hey, prices are going up. We're going to pay you more. The, the economy doesn't really work that way. But when we're adding in the fact that there's you know, so much demand for labor, people are working. Some folks are working more hours. There, there's more people working. And all that together is driving up the household incomes at a pace that does match or even exceed inflation. So, I mean, that that is a... Inflation creates a challenge, but, you know, if our incomes are keeping up, then then it's just numbers, right? Kyle hits the nail on the head there for most American households. However, there's, you know, we talk talk about inequality of income. There's also inequality of inflation, right? Our poorest households in the U.S. spend a lot of money on gasoline. They spend a lot of money on rent. They spend a lot of money on food. They rarely are able to save any money. And a bigger percentage of their income is being spent on the items that have the highest, fastest price increases. So whereas the average inflation rate might be 8%, those kind of households might be facing 10, 12, 14%. But, it, and it, but you know, now if their wages are going up faster, then that's okay. And we are seeing an unprecedented rise at wages in the lower skilled jobs. But still, you can't, it, this, the, the, the point that, poor households might actually have a higher rate of inflation gets lost in the news. It's easy to look at the economy with this really low and go, well, inflation, but really good job rate and go, everything's going to be fine. But there are pockets of, of, of economic stress. There are households that are going to fall behind because of inflation, um, which gets lost in the news. And to build on, on Phil's example there, or to give a concrete example, used cars are up 35% from a year ago. And that's actually down. It was 40%. So, I mean, it, a used car in our country, where we, especially in places like Indiana, where we don't have great public transportation or great options, a used car is a nece- necessity to have a job. And that those impacts are just huge on a lot of different households. And that means inequality is going up. And when inequality goes up, irrespective of what your political view is, the research literature shows it leads to more political instability. And the last thing we need in this country right now is more political division. And I want to get to, you know, business leaders and organizations because, you know, as we believe in the show, one of our philosophies is an organization is only as good as the people that run them. As And we know that these organizations want to take care of their own. You know, so when they're trying to both juggle rising costs of, you know, materials, rising costs of, um, you know, things like if they're running a small mom and pop factory or, or, or shop, you know, raw materials may be at a higher price, which ultimately then trickles down to the consumer and, you know, um, you know, and the 
in in the spirit of wanting them to take care of their people, what can organizational leaders um, begin to do, or what? How do organizational leaders at this point start start taking a look at what's going on and say, okay, let's. This is the action plan we need to make sure you know we we prepare ourselves. So, if you're thinking long term, again, if you're a good business person, you you you, you smart in the short term. You want to make sure the cash is coming in. You're you're solvent, but you think for the long term. We're gonna we're we're. Business owners should should face the reality of a permanent talent drought. Demography, the, the demographics, the aging of the population, where the new, you know, we're not going to have int- we're not going to have people enough people graduating from high school and college to replace those who are retiring. So, first and foremost, my advice to business owners is to is to whatever happens, keep your best workers. So that means that if if your workers are facing an inflation rate of eight percent, raise your wages at least eight percent. Keep those folks, um, and so and, and do whatever it takes to raise to have the wage increases match whatever inflation that your workers are facing. So that'd be my first piece of advice. And I think building on that, we have to be thinking about productivity. How do we produce greater levels of output with the same level of workforce? And how can you invest to make your workforce more productive, more talented? And that doesn't mean just piling more work on their plate. And, and we're seeing that a lot where, you know, there's a, a shortage of hiring. So just come in and say, hey, well, you need to do this job as well. Well, as Phil says, that, that's going to be self-defeating because those employees are going to leave. There's, there's good opportunities for them out there. So a business owner needs to be strategic about how you can invest in, in productivity without burning out the workforce. Well, and to that, Matt, I mean, you know, the Generation Z and the millennials, they have a lot of leverage. They have a lot of negotiating leverage. And generationally, they put a lot more emphasis. They want to be paid right, but they put a lot of more emphasis on the sense of community, the sense of family where they work. And so one of the another another thing that a business owner should do is make sure that your workplace online or in person, is a great place to have a job. And if you're not delivering that, then shame on you. It's bad for business. It's bad for your stockholders. And guess what? Investing in building a great culture doesn't require a lot of money. It just requires a good attitude and good leadership. And applying the great lessons we teach here at the Kelly School of Business. You know, I want, I want to jump into, because one of the things you said was the Fed Reserve, you know, they they just met, they raised the rate, was it a quarter percent or half percent interest rate? And they're scheduled to meet again, I think in May, you know, kind of looking at all the market trends, looking at what factors are at play, you know, do you guys have predictions as to what, what do you think is going to come out of that Fed Reserve? Do we, are we going to see a massive interest hike? Are we going to, do you think they're going to stay to that quarter percent interest hike that they're just kind of alluding to, or is there going to be a shock wave and what? What ramifications is that going to have, do you think, within our within our markets? You know, the Fed doesn't like to shock people, right? They, they do a lot of signaling. So what we'll see is potentially either a quarter or a half point increase in May. I, I'm pretty sure we'll get one or the other. Uh, there's been debate about it. But, but they try to send a lot of signals to the market and, and let the market know what to anticipate and what's going to be going on. So we're going to see rate increases. We'll probably see multiple over the, the summer and again, the Fed is going to do its best job, but it's walking a very fine line or trying to walk a very fine line, right? How much can we raise rates so that we can slow down inflation without sending the economy into a recession? 
there's some folks think that doesn't exist, that, that it's going to be one or the other. If it does exist, it's a very fine line. So they're going to have to signal it's going to be very careful. We're definitely going to see an economic slowdown in the second half of this year, whether that is a slowdown or negative growth that would push us into recession territory. We'll just kind of have to see. Matt, you know, when I look as one economist, I go back to 1979. Now, inflation was worse. It was 10, 12%. And it took a change in Fed chairman, Paul Volcker, came to town. And he said, I'm going to raise interest rates until I'm going to, I don't care how high they go. Mortgage rates got as high as 22%. What that lesson taught us was, and then since then, we haven't seen inflation. And again, as one, my view as, as one economist is that the lesson from 1979 is, is that you've got to attack it aggressively. And there's a debate among economists of can the Fed walk the line. I'm one of those that says, you can't. you got to have a recession in order to, to, to squeeze out people's uh, expectations of prices going up. You've got you to be hard, you got to raise rates really aggressively in order to reduce demand. And because they tried this sort of soft approach, 1978, 19, you know, 1977, 1978, 1979, it didn't work. Um, so I think what Kyle's talked about, I think that's what's going to happen. I personally don't think it's enough. Yeah, I, I guess I would disagree with that. I, I do think there are opportunities because there are some parts of the inflation story that are going to curtail itself. We, we do think that these supply chain issues are going to get resolved, right? It's taking a while. We'd expected it to take a while. That's going to happen. Again, we had a lot of fiscal stimulus in 2021. That has pretty much trickled out. So consumer demand should be pulling back anyway, regardless of the, the interest rate situation. Some of the supply chain issues should get resolved. Gas prices are down from where they were a month ago. I, I think that we have hit the peak inflation number. Phil, Phil will probably laugh at me for that or, or, or be concerned about that. But I think that 8.5%, you know, next month when, when the April number comes out, I think it will be less than that. And I, I think we'll start pulling back already on, on some of that number. It's still going to be way elevated above, you know, what, what the Federal Reserve or, or any economists would like to see it. There's two points to kind of, you know, keep this conversation going. Because it, it is, it is a, there's a lot of uncertainty here. A year ago, everybody, the Biden administration, and again, I'm, I'm not picking on, this isn't a political statement, but the Biden administration was saying, well, we think it'll be transitory, right? We think the supply chains will work themselves out. Well, they didn't. E even if the Ukraine war had not happened, the supply chain fixes are not happening as fast as they can. Now, to Kyle's point, by itself, I think 8.5% might be as high as it gets. When you're dealing with inflationary policy, the, issue, the, the real thing you want to avoid is sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy of ex inflationary expectations. It's not the level of inflation, it's what people expect. So the big question from a policy perspective is, all right, it's 8.5%. Are, are, are businesses now starting to write contracts, whether it be hiring people or vendors, expecting inflation rates to be higher? And if they do, then they're going to charge higher prices, and inflation becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And really what the Federal Reserve needs to do is put a break on that. And it took, in 1979, it took rate, rates going really high, really fast in order to squeeze those expectations out of the economy. 
Now, I agree with Kyle. It was much worse in 79 than it is now. But there's still a lot of uncertainty. And, again, a year ago we were saying that, that, the, supply ch- that the supply side effects would work themselves out, and they didn't. Which leads, And I'm seeing the Fed be more – the Fed for 12 to 18 months are having to roll back optimistic forecasts that they made. You know, and at the same time, you know, in the midst of all this, one thing that we haven't mentioned is we also see housing, like houses are like selling for more than they probably have ever had, you know, in the history that we've known in our country. I mean, Indianapolis, I've seen rates of 23% increases at spot, 16% increases, you know, all depending. Does that... Does that give way to, is there a bubble out there that it's, is on the verge of popping that's kind of increasing this? Uh, do, you, do you see any sort of bubbles outside of housing? Housing Bubble's a tough word, right? Because you're, you're making a prediction about a, you know, trying to say that, that housing prices are going to collapse. We're certainly not going to see housing prices continue to rise the way they have. Mortgage rates are going up significantly. People are just, I mean, housing, we could only sustain those prices because interest rates were so cheap. You could get a, a 30-year mortgage, you know, cheap enough that you're, you're able to pay. A lot of households were able to pay that extra money. That's not going to be the case right now and, and going forward for a while. So we're going to see housing prices, you know, probably flatten out. Could they go down? I, I think it's well within the, the possible outcomes that they go down. I don't know that I would use the term bubble like that, that, you know, that there's some expectation that they will suddenly collapse. I I don't see that, but there, as Phil would say, there's a wide range of possible outcomes here. In a question like that, you want to distinguish between a real increase in demand and spec and, and speculative demand, right? You know, a price increase is not a bubble when the end users are buy are, are buying the product, Right. The millennials, had, they've had a delayed entry into the housing market, right? So millennials saw their parents stru- lose their homes in the, in the Great Recession of 2008. So as they came into adulthood, as they came into the labor force, they purposely saved more money and delayed their entry into the, into the mortgage market. So that's one that tells us that there is a real argument to be made that, that there's a real increase in demand which would tell us that the price increase is not a bubble. However, what's come on in the last 6 to 12 months, we, we're starting to see speculative buying. In fact, in certain cities around the country, there's companies that are going in and buying houses in neighborhoods, like property companies, not households, not millennials with two kids that want to move out to the suburbs. What's driven that are these low interest rates. And so one of the arguments is is that interest rates have remained too low for too long, and when they do, they lead to this kind of speculative behavior, which aggravates inflation and aggravates the pullback that the Federal Reserve has to engineer by raising rates. And so um, there is definitely more speculative activity in the the residential real estate market than there was six months ago. I want to get to the million-dollar question. I think that's the elephant in the room. You know, do you see, I mean, you kind of brought it up earlier. Do we, do you see an economic slowdown? Does it become a partial recession or are we kind of getting into the realm of thinking about this? This could be a full recession and, you know, business owners should, should prepare. You know, I would just love to give your take and your wisdom on, on just from where you sit. I mean, obviously there's so many things and, and almost being an economist is almost like being a weatherman. You know, you can only predict so much, um, but just would love to get your take. Sure. So I'll, t- I'll give you my view. 
there might be a little shade of difference here between Kyle and I because I'm a little bit more hawkish on inflation. But I think that the Fed's going to continue to try to be soft, but it's going to continue to realize it's got to raise rates even more. So we're going to see we're going to see we're going to see recession. Now, is it going to be anything like is it going to be a catastrophe? No. This country has had many recessions that were mild, right? Where in, where unemployment goes up to six, seven percent. Now it's not mild for those who lose their jobs. But you know, if you think of the early 80s, 2008, when unemployment hit above 10 percent, it hit 14 percent during COVID. That was, real, that was a blip on the radar screen, though. So I predict, I think we're going to have a, a slowdown that takes us to six, seven percent unemployment, or it's going to require us. To, I think we're going to have to go that far. The Fed's going to have to raise rates that far to, to have that kind of result in order to tame inflation. Yeah, I, I think you might be right on that, Phil. Um, I, I, I have maybe a more, um, a, a little more optimistic on that. One thing to keep in mind is that a, a recession is just kind of a, a quirky thing, right? Like, like if the economy shrinks by a tenth of one percent for, you know, two or three quarters, that's usually considered a recession, right? I mean, we, we, the definition of one isn't really, you know, negative growth in, in two consecutive quarters, but, but in all practical purposes, that's what we think of. Now, if the economy were to grow by two-tenths of 1% for two consecutive quarters, that's a bad economy, right? That's essentially the same thing, but it's not technically a recession, right? So, so whether there's going to be a recession or not is probably not a, as important, especially to business owners. What we know is that there's going to be a slowdown, that, that demand is going to slow down from where it is right now and what's been going on. And that means that, that business owners need to be uh, prepared for that slowdown. They need to be, at, at, on the one hand, trying to take advantage of this excess demand right now while simultaneously realizing that over the next 12 months, a lot of that is going to pull back and, and fall back and have your, your organization prepared for that. And I would like to know, from just from your own personal research, is when you both are looking into the economy, what signs are you looking for? Kind of what do you kind of like to keep track of, uh, you know, just, just to understand, you know, where the economy is at and how business leaders then, or maybe even a better way to put it is, what's, what signs can business leaders kind of maybe start observing is it the bond yield you know we hear if the bond yields invert like that could be a sign of 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 imminent uh pullback and recession or or is it just simple of you know do we look at a consumer price index or even more simple than that you what what do you how would you coach organization leaders to take a look at some of the signs i think a lot of that just has to be industry specific so, I mean, you can sit there and read bond yields and say, you know, is this going to happen or not? That's relevant if you're a trader. If you're in the financial services industry, that, that matters very much. But if I've got a, you know, manufacturing business or a service business, what matters most, in my opinion, is what's happening in that specific industry. What's happening with your customers? Are they going to continue to be able to buy six and 12 months down the road? Because that's going to impact you. Every industry has a different response and different reaction to macroeconomic factors. Some of them are impacted hugely, and others maybe are, are very kind of recession-proof. One perspective I've taught in the classroom, Matt, and this could, this could relate to single industry. I think this holds up for single industries, too, that there's a, there's a sequence of events that happens, right? In terms of, there's, four, there's a four-variable sequence. I tell business owners, if you're trying to see where the business cycle is going to crest, First, 
the first leading indicator is typically earnings. So total earnings in the economy or earnings, earnings in the industry. A fall in earnings, when earnings are below what's expected, and typically also, more specifically, when they go, when they go negative, that's going to lead to a fall in equity prices or the stock market, right? Which typically predicts a fall in GDP, which then predicts an increase in unemployment. Unemployment is always a lagging indicator, whereas a fall in profits is typically a leading indicator. Now, why are those profits going to fall? Because of interest rates. So I would keep my eye on the interest rates. The only way we're going to squeeze inflation out is to raise interest rates. The faster the Fed does it, the faster it's going to squeeze inflation out. So I would be watching the Fed right now. If it's softer, the level of business activity you observe right now is going to shrink more slowly. If interest rates go, if the Fed's really aggressive, then it's going to shrink faster, which is the, it's the same scenario that Kyle talked about. It's just a matter of how fast that happens. If you're a business owner right now, the economy's going to slow down. Prepare for a pullback, right? And, it, and, and you might be considering an investment project or financing. Interest rates might, might, might already be too high. So this isn't a time to be financing things unless you just have to. If you have to finance something short-term, do it immediately because the rates tomorrow are going to be higher than the rates today. And the rates today might be too high relative to a project that's going to earn you. The interest costs might already be too high. I mean, mortgage rates are already up to 4 to 5% in some markets. You know, as finally as we get to begin to close and, and wrap things up, uh, one thing that you said, and I think I appreciate that, is, you know, a recession technically is, you know, like a, what, one hundredth of a percent decrease over two quarters technically becomes a recession. Sometimes it's felt, sometimes it's not, you know, but in, in the sense of when we hear recession, it become it can become almost like a panic-driven thing. You hear recession, and it just shocks everyone into, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I need to go panic buy or panic do this. You know, from, from your perspective, when even when the word recession is kind of brought into the conversation, how can business leaders, you know, check emotion at the door to make sure they're not doing something too drastic? And and what's the best course of action, you know, to hey, let's just weather the storm. It's you know, how would you how would you address that? An experienced business person is going to realize the economy inhales and exhales. There's a business cycle, right? And if you've lived through a couple of recessions, it's easier to face the next one because not all recessions are 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 catastrophes. What's most important is that your business have access to cash, working capital, right? That's how you stay solvent. And so, and, and you plan for the long run, right? And you make responsible decisions. So I guess, I guess my, you know, I don't, again, I don't, ex- I don't expect the economic slowdown is going to be catastrophic. Just don't make decisions now that are going are gonna to make you, are going to put you on the edge and make you exposed. This is a time to, 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 to Bring, sort of bring things in a little bit, be a little bit more conservative. And whether it's saving saving profits and keeping them in the business or making sure you've got a credit line, just have access to cash in case this slowdown is a little bit worse than, than, than is expected. And you'll get through it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing to keep in mind is it's been over 20 years since we've had a mild recession, right? I mean, we, we had the 2008, 2009 which was a financial crisis full on that, that took, because of the nature of it, had a very long recovery period. We had the recession in 2020 directly due to the pandemic that was extreme in the pullback in economic activity, even though the, the recession itself was short-lived. So we've had two very atypical 
recessions in the last 20 years. You have to go back to, you know, maybe 2001 or the early 1990s or the 80s to have these kind of more typical recessions that are short-lived where unemployment, you know, ticks up, but not, you know, crazy numbers and businesses survive those all the time. And Matt, just as another thing of reassurance to add to Kyle's, the financial markets, the banking markets are fine. They're well capitalized. When your financial markets are okay, that, that that's a, that's a safety net. I mean, that, that just tells you that it's good. You're going to have a quote, normal recession. If you think about the great depression, you think about 2008, these were, these were, these were the financial markets were out of sync. There was a fundamental threat to the resiliency of financial markets. We don't have that right now. This is just about supply and demand for traditional goods and services. Appreciate that guys, gentlemen, Kyle Anderson, Phil Powell, so honored to have you guys here sit down uh, and, and just talk with us about the economy and look forward to having you guys back you know here on the podcast this has been another episode of the roi podcast presented by the indiana university kelly school of business i'm your host matt martella here on the show our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions we'll see you next week